Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's good to be together and uh, share this time of fellowship and worship uh, together as the body of Christ. We welcome everyone today. And if we have any guests today, uh, today we're uh, happy that you're with us and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together this morning. Uh, let me uh, remind everyone of our uh, attendance sheets. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. They're on the end of each row, and just take it and fill out any information you feel comfortable giving to us and check the appropriate box, and we would certainly appreciate that. A few things I'd like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, a, a disclaimer, uh, because we are uh, with our our graphics, they're looking good up here. They have everything on, on cue there. But we have a new laptop. We have new software. And things are, we're, we're, this is its maiden voyage here. And so we're not sure how things are going to work out. Things are going to, uh, but I'm sure we're in capable hands. Rudy's doing a great job out there. But uh, uh, in case things don't work out the way we want to, it's not his fault. <laughs> Blame it on Felicia. No. A few things we have coming up uh, this week. Uh, tomorrow we'll be having a, um, uh, another uh, a lunch uh, time, a lunch fellowship for our upperclassmen, our joy lunch group. And uh, so we invite you to come back to church tomorrow for lunch uh, with a covered dish lunch tomorrow and, uh, and a program. And uh, Sue Berry will be in charge of that. And then also, you know, we, we know how to eat around here. I hope that you will stay after church today for our, our lunch here at church. We have plenty of food to eat, and uh, we have a, a great time of fellowship together. And so I hope that everyone will stay and share this time of fellowship as we uh, have a, our lunch together after church today. Uh, also, in, in conjunction with that, there will be a bowl put out somewhere around the desserts. Uh, and that's for any donation that you would like to make the, for the desserts, not for the dinner, but for the desserts. If you'd like to make a donation for desserts, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, uh, that money will go towards our children's ministry, some activities that they have planned coming up. And uh, so we invite you to, to share in that as well. Uh, and Pam, I believe you have a presentation to make. Oh, one other thing before Pam comes up. Uh, there. There is a container right here on our altar table. Uh, this is for change hunger. We, at the end of each quarter, we take uh, spare change, whatever you have put in there over the over the quarter preceding, and we give it to some uh, ministry that that deals with hunger. And uh, this quarter, um, we will be giving it to a ministry that will be uh, providing meals, providing food for children that are in a, um, a famine-stricken area of Africa, especially with uh, Somalia and uh, Nigeria and, uh, and some other places in that area. So we want to give you an opportunity for that. If you'd like to uh, make a contribution for that, you're, you're welcome to do so. So, Pam? The scholarship team back in the spring announced that we do have scholarships available for our graduating seniors. We had one young man to turn in an outstanding application, let me just say. It was so well done, and we're so proud of him. And our team 
as of a couple Sundays ago, Tim Hall met with him, all the Hobsons. I met with Kirk Knight and found out a little more about him and his plans. And he didn't know I was going to do this. But Kirk, would you come up here for a minute with me, please? First off, Kirk, would you just for a second tell everybody where you're going and what you're going to be doing? I'm going to the University of Louisville, even though I'm still a wildcat at heart. (laughs) Uh, I'm going in uh, to study music education and hopefully become a high school band director sometime soon. Maybe in Kentucky. Maybe not. Great. Great point. Great point. And the church would like to give you $500 to help you get started a little bit there. Okay, Kirk? Thank you. Uh (laughs) And he gives it to Mom. Kirk, we're very proud of you. You've uh, accomplished a lot, and, uh, and, and we look forward to the accomplishments that you have ahead of you as well. We're very proud of you, and, and we're glad to be a part of the village that has raised you here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to be here and to share this time together, so now let me invite you to stand and let's share the love of Christ with one another as we greet one another.
us pray together. Almighty God, your light shines through this entire universe. All of nature invites us to enjoy you on this day when we celebrate the peace of your presence. You created the Sabbath, O God, so that we may know that you are God and we are not. Oh God, we have come to you this morning praying that you will reach out and and stir the deepest places within us, inspiring us to to dare new things and to trust you in in new ways. In this place, we, we come to celebrate the grace that you have offered to us in Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died and yet broke the bonds of death and offers us new life. Yet we are also aware of the concerns that we lay before you today. For those who are struggling to set worry free. For those who are wrestling with a decision that seems much too unclear. For those who are reaching the end of life and who need reconciliation with you and and with those that they love. For those who seek to grow deeper in their walk with you and need your wisdom For this world and the suffering that is around it, we pray. And we ask for your kingdom to break through right here upon this earth. Help us to let go of those things that hold us back. And teach us to walk with you. And to work with you as you have called us to do. Lord of all, we are grateful for the gift of new life in Christ. For the death that freed us for the love that transforms us and for the hope that inspires us. We praise your holy name. Amen.
yeah, I thought I could make it, Lord, without you. But my world crumbled down all around me.
So never feel like you're alone because you have a whole supportive family around you. So it is kind of neat that the way the church is kind of like a float. Isn't that cool? Have you ever thought about that, the church being a float? Church is kind of like a float. So don't forget this summer to include God in all of your activities and fun stuff that you do this summer. Let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children and what they mean to us. May we be good examples to them as they grow in your faith and lead them closer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. and offerings in pursuit of your work in this church, the community, and the world. For your glory, amen. Amen.
This morning's scripture comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, if you'd like to follow along with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Oh, isn't that beautiful? Thank you, choir. You lead us week after week in great worship. Thank you. Have you ever noticed that uh, churches can be funny places? <laughs> um, ours especially, maybe? I don't know. Uh, there, there's one particular, uh, Bert Kettinger tells about a small church in Ohio near where he was raised that had a uh, a small restroom just behind the pulpit with a door right behind the pulpit for the convenience of the pastor. And there was another door on the other side of the restroom that led out into the parking lot. So one day, the pastor was preaching his sermon and waxing eloquent about the passage of Scripture from Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And with great emotion, he exclaimed that the Lord is standing at the door of our hearts, crying, Let me in! Let me in! And then adding a touch of drama to his message, he walked back to the restroom door and he knocked on the door and again reminded his congregation that, the, that God was standing at their, their heart's door crying, let me in, let me in. When suddenly from behind the door, a, vo- a voice cried out, just a minute, just a minute. <laughs> I'm sure that that was a service that that small church uh, would remember for a long time. Well, today I want us to talk about another service that happened 2,000 years ago that this that the church is still talking about today. It was on the day of Pentecost when Simon Peter preached that amazing sermon that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if you'll remember, the result of that sermon was that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Some people say that that was the day when the church was born. But then what happened after those 3,000 people were converted? Does the story end there? Well, we know that it ends there for a lot of people. Many people will go to an evangelistic crusade or a meaningful retreat or a richly rewarding spiritual life weekend, and they'll get extremely enthusiastic about their faith for a while. And then that fervor cools. And before long, they are back in a deeper rut than they were before. So is that what happened when these 3,000 people were converted to Christianity on that first day of Pentecost? No, indeed. In fact, we read in our scripture for today that that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says that everyone was filled with awe at the wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. My friends, I believe that in those few verses, we can find the true essence of the church. In those few verses, we truly discover who we are as a church and what we are all about. So let's talk about that for just a little bit this morning. 
First of all, the church is a community that is gathered for study and for worship. We are told here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And that's why you're here today, isn't it? Henry Ward Beecher once said that the church is not a gallery for the exhibition of eminent Christians, but a school for the education of imperfect ones. And so we keep coming back. We keep coming back to Sunday school. We keep coming back to worship. We keep coming back to Bible study. And I know that there are other places that are much more exciting than worship service. I know that. I know that the lake is a draw to many people who enjoy the fun of water skiing and tubing and boating and fishing. And I know that sports events get the adrenaline pumping and UK and UofL basketball is the only topic of discussion during certain times of the year. And I understand that there are things that you could be doing right now that are are a lot more exciting than sitting here listening to somebody like me drone on about whatever the, the day's topic might be. I mean, let's just face it. Worship service is not one of those things that rises to the level of sheer excitement and thrill. And sometimes it shows. You've probably heard me tell this story before about the little boy who went to church with his grandparents every Sunday and his grandmother sat in the choir and it really bothered her to see grandfather nodding off to sleep every Sunday during the the sermon. And so grandmother hit upon a plan. She gave her grandson, Tommy, 50 cents every Sunday to poke grandfather in in the ribs whenever he fell asleep. And this worked for a while, it worked very well for quite a while until one Sunday when grandmother was sitting up in the choir, she noticed that grandfather was nodding off to sleep again, but Tommy made no effort to wake him up. Grandfather even started snoring right in the middle of the service. Still, Tommy did nothing. And so after the service, grandmother said, Tommy, what happened? I told you I would pay you 50 cents if you would keep grandfather awake. And Tommy said, yes, ma'am, but grandfather offered me a dollar to leave him alone. (laughs) I know. Some of us can sympathize with grandfather, can't we? Not grandmother, grandfather. I mean, I'll admit it. Worship is not the most exciting place to be sometimes. And yet. I like another story about two young boys. They were talking together about Noah and the ark. And they were thinking about all of the stuff going on in that ark. And they were thinking about the smells and the noises and the inconvenience of being cooped up on that boat with all of those animals and about how crowded it must have been and how dirty and how smelly it must have been and and about the problem of separating the animals who are natural enemies from one another. And one of the boys said, I just don't think I could stand that. And the other boy thought about it for a moment and said, yeah, it must have been pretty awful. But think of it this way. It was the best thing afloat. 
And you know what? He's right. And I believe that that exact same thing can be said about the church. Sometimes this is not the most exciting place to be. And sometimes church people are not all that they ought to be. But guess what, my friends? This is the best thing afloat. Those early Christians were certainly excited about it. They met regularly for study and for worship. But they not only studied and worshipped. You see, they also had great fellowship. They broke bread together. They talked together. They laughed together. They sang together. See how those Christians love one another, other people would say about them. It must have been a joyous experience to be a part of that first church. And I would say that that any church that is doing what it ought to be doing is a joyous place to be. It makes me glad to be among people like you. It makes me happy to be among people like you. Potluck meals, volleyball games, picnics, vacation Bible school, kids meetings, basketball, adult activities, movie nights. These things may not seem very spiritual to a lot of people, but folks, let me tell you something. We would be making a huge mistake if we were to minimize the importance of fellowship. It's important. In fact, Christian fellowship is one of the greatest gifts that we have to offer to the world. Even if I were a pagan, I would want my children to be in Sunday school. If I was a pagan, I'd want my teenager to be in a youth group. I'd want my aging mother to be a part of a senior citizens group at the church. Even if I didn't appreciate the theological value of it, I would still want the people that I love to to have the benefit of being around Christians. I remember a Peanuts cartoon many years ago. Ah, we got it up. Good, thank you. Here we have Lucy. Obviously, she's frustrated, and of course, Lucy is always frustrated. But but here she's saying, it's my life. It's my life, and I'll do whatever I want to with it. I'm I'm my own person. It's my life, and I'm the one who has to live it. And then in that last frame, she grins and adds, with a little help. We all need a little help from our friends, don't we? Beatles had it right. We all need a little help from our friends. And that's why we have each other. That's what fellowship is about. Henry Golden, that wonderful Jewish Storyteller tells of a time when he asked his father, who was not a believer, by the way, he said, Dad, if you don't believe in God, why do you go to synagogue every week? And Harry's father replied, Jews go to synagogue for all sorts of reasons. My friend Garfinkel, who is orthodox, orthodox, he goes to talk with God. Me, I go to talk with Garfinkel. Maybe not the best reason in the world for coming to church, but, but that's missing the point. You see, when we were baptized into the Christian church, we did not become an island unto ourselves. We became a part of a body, the body of Christ. And here's the thing. 
There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. The very word fellowship comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, fellowship. And the word fee was an old Anglo-Saxon word for cow. Cow. Which was a form of wealth back in those days. Neighbors would put their cows together and they would break down the fences between them in order to show that they trusted one another. They created fellowship through mingling of their cows. Well, folks, we all need some place in our lives where we can trust other people, don't we? We need some place in our lives where people will accept us just for who we are and will not take advantage of us. And hopefully church is just that place where you can be loved just because you are a fellow believer in Christ. Now, there are some dangers, of course, even in Christian fellowship. And probably the greatest danger is that we could become just another clique, just another group of people who is turned so inward that we are blind to the needs of the world. And we don't want to do that. Dr. Eugene Bryce tells about a guy who took a tour of a grease factory one day. This is the world's largest grease factory, the tour guide said as they started on the tour. And they walked through rows and rows of machines with gears that were turning and wheels revolving and cylinders whirling and belts were running and motors were roaring. And, and then towards the end of the tour, the guy asked, what do you do with all the grease that you make here? Who do you sell it to? And the guide said, oh, we don't sell it. We have to use all the grease that we make here to lubricate all the machines at the factory. Well, that's a parable if I've ever heard one. Because it is, it is possible for us to put all of our energy and all of our time lubricating our own machinery. Spending all of our time planning our services and working on our finances and enjoying our fellowship and ignoring the needs of the world. The number of those being added to the early church was increasing daily, we are told. And that means that they were constantly enlarging their fellowship. And folks, there's nothing that brings more joy to a church than enlarging its fellowship. If you keep fellowship to yourself, guess what happens? Fellowship dies. But when you keep enlarging the circle, you have life and you have hope and you have meaning and you have purpose and you have joy. And those early disciples met together daily for study for worship, and for fellowship. And there's one more thing that characterized this early church, this early group of disciples. You see, they also spent a lot of time in prayer. They recognized that what they were doing was not of their own making. 
One evangelical pastor said in in Acts 2, they prayed for 10 days, then Peter preached for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people got saved. Today, churches pray for 10 minutes, preach for 10 days, and maybe three get saved. That's quite a difference between the church at Pentecost and, and today's congregation, isn't it? Folks, what we are doing here is is not merely a human enterprise. We are not simply another social organization. You and I need to have a source of power for our lives. We need a source of power for our church that comes from beyond our own energies, from beyond our own desires and commitments. And and we can only know that source of power when we spend that time in prayer. One of the most effective men who ever lived was Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi was a lawyer. He was already in his 40s living in South Africa when he conceived of the idea of freeing India from foreign control. But here's the thing. He never used a gun. He never recruited any armies. He never possessed a great fortune. He never resorted to quick fixes or no payoffs, no compromises. Virtually the only source of power that he had was the power of prayer and compassion. Even while he was in South Africa, he began his crusade for his people's rights. And at that time, South Africa was not a very good place to begin a crusade. He wrote that there were There was a law directed against Indians in South Africa, and I came there to oppose it. He said, my ship was met by by a hostile mob, and I was advised to stay on board because they had come with the intention of lynching me. But I went ashore anyway. I was stoned. I was beaten. But I had not prayed for safety. I had prayed for courage to face the mob. And that courage came and did not fail me. My friends, anyone who wants to be a witness for God is going to have to depend upon prayer. If this church, like the New Testament church, stands tall in our community, then we are going to have to have the power of God undergirding us. And there's only one way that that power will come, and that is through prayer. Now, I confess to you that I've never preached a sermon that brought 3,000 people to their, knee, their knees. And I'll confess again that this is not the most entertaining place that you can be this morning. And this church is certainly not all that God intends for it to be. And yet still, just like Noah's Ark, I believe it's the best thing afloat. For you see, this is where we have found God. And this is where we share God with one another. This is where we gather for study, for worship, like we are doing here this morning. This is where we gather to have fellowship together, to laugh together, to love together, to sing together, to give thanks together, to eat our fill and beyond like we're about to do in just a few minutes. We're pretty good about all of that, aren't we? 
And that's a big part of what the church is supposed to be. But I hope, I hope also that you will commit yourself to reaching out to the people that you know and inviting them to this place so that we might add to the church everyone who needs to know Jesus Christ. Not for our glory, but so that we can spread the love of Jesus Christ throughout this community and beyond. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. A wonderful old hymn that promises the protection of God during our difficult times. That promises God's presence with us. It is great to be able to lean upon that and to lean upon one another because we have fellowship. Because we pray together and because we worship. Let us sing. and generous minds. Leave with Christ's teachings within your spirit. Leave with laughter in your throat and love in your heart. Leave this place, but not yet. After we eat and enjoy our time of fellowship, and then go and give hope to the hopeless and love to the loveless. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 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 Thank you.